This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Friday, August 10th. This is episode 215. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Dan Ellis. The infinite ginger. The infinite ginger. It's getting more, My all of my shit is getting more white all the time. A little bit. Lots of little, white A little more there. salt in there. Yeah, there's... There's there's a lot. I'm salty. Salt and cinnamon. Is that what they call you guys? Salt, salt and cinnamon instead of salt and pepper? Yeah. <laughs> salt and cinnamon. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've I never heard anybody say that, but could be. Maybe they don't want to say it to me because I'm salt and cinnamon. Uh, what have you been doing last week? Uh, not fucking breathing. Yeah. Oh, if I sound stuffy, it's because I am because- uh, we have apparently missed the rapture and now live in hell because there are fires <laughs> fucking everywhere. The fucking hellscape. Dude, hundreds of thousands of acres are on fire in, in, or have burned in California. Yeah. Like the, what is it, the Mendocino Complex fire, I think is the largest fire in recorded history. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of acres. And, and that's it's, just one fire in California. Oh, yeah. And, it's and there's still, also fires here. Yeah, and I think it's only like 50% contained last I checked, like yesterday or the day before. Mm. Yeah, uh, the the air is really shitty. Yeah, it is. Uh, what else have you been doing besides not breathing? Um, well, on the still on the fire thing a little bit. I just keep wondering when this prayer stuff is going to come to use, come to practical <laughs> use. Will I? I don't know if there's any Mormons listening, but there. If you are, there are fires happening in our state. Can you forget about your car keys for a second and focus on that? Just just take care of that one thing for us real quick. Yeah, if you could fix the fires, that'd be great. Okay. And if also if you could uh, do it as soon as possible. Right. That'd be terrific. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. one of their big things when they talk to like uh, not Mormons uh, is, you know, well, you know, have you read the book and prayed about it? You know, like prayer is this big integral part of their whole thing. It's it's. Oh, yeah. What confirms it. So it, obviously- yeah, it's where the magic happens. Yeah, so obviously yeah. it works, so fucking use it. <laughs> Fix our shit, man. Uh, yeah, when I- So last weekend was the Pride Festival in Ogden, mm. and I feel like a giant fucking turd because I showed up like an hour and a half late because it took me a- l- I woke up a little bit late, but then it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to take to load all of the shit in the truck and meet everybody there in Ogden. While they're just hanging out waiting for my dumbass to arrive with all of the stuff. But you're a salted, a salted cinnamon turd, though. Yeah. But, oh. you know, I I went to the storage goddamn and got all of the stuff, dropped off a bunch of stuff, picked up new stuff, brought it here, cleaned all a bunch of shit, got it all ready. Uh, then the next day, you had to load it all in the fucking truck and drive to Ogden for the Pride Festival. Uh, I'm making excuses. Basically, I was late and I'm a fucking turd, but. Ah, you're fine. I had, I, I I was doing a lot of other shit too. And, uh, but so driving. I mean, were people mad at you or what? No, no, they were all fine. I just, I feel like a gigantic turd because they were all just standing around waiting for me. 
Oh, okay. Because you know they all they all met at the park, expecting me to be there at a certain time. Uh, okay. And I was an hour and a half late. Um, well, and then so I, so I was going to say while driving on the way to the Pride Festival from here to Ogden, I couldn't even see the Wasatch Mountains. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're super close, right? Like yeah, yeah. you can see them from all over the valley everywhere. Yeah, they're pretty large uh, rock collections. Yeah, but from I-15 I could not see the Wasatch Mountains. Dude, it was so smoky. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the air was really fucking terrible and I mean it just it smells like fire everywhere. Yeah. Um and not really not like really good fire. Like campfire is usually a pretty clean smell because yeah. you're you have like all the same kind of whatever. Yeah. But this is just everything's burning, like brush and uh, you know, house parts and other shit, whatever's in the fucking mountains. Yeah. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, so, and then, and then on the way home, I saw that there was a car on fire on I-15, like a car was on fire. Really? Uh, you know, I was heading south. It was headed north, but yeah, a fucking car on it was fire on north? my way home. Yeah. It was, it was still driving? No, it was pointing north. Oh, okay. it was, it was in the northbound portion of I-15. Um, but pride was good. Uh, I talked to the director of an organization down in your neck of the woods. Uh, yeah. I can't now I feel now I feel like a dick because I was going to bring her name down here with me and I forgot. Uh, it's Bobby, Bobby Mormon. Oh yeah. I know Bobby, but Bobby Mormon is a trans woman who has created, well, she didn't create it, but she's now the president of, and I can't think of the name of the organization down in Provo um, that basically just provides a place for LGBTQ uh, youth to go in and get a home-cooked meal. Oh. And uh, somebody to listen to them, uh, tell their story, uh, sympathize with them for a little bit, basically just be there as a supportive resource for them. It's a 501c3 organization. Uh, she currently lives in San Francisco, but was here at the Ogden Pride Festival because she'll be moving here. Uh, she's trying to decide if she wants to live in Utah County or somewhere in Salt Lake County. And I said, if you want to be close to work, you should definitely go to Utah County for, uh -huh. but for anything else, no, don't, don't live in Utah County. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I uh, want to try to get her booked on the show sometime soon as well because she, like I say, she's currently still living in San Francisco but plans to move here. But I got her contact information and hopefully we'll have her on the show sometime here in the near future. Seems like just a wonderful, genuine, kind, giving, fantastic person. So what's the deal with that place? Like do you – do they just get volunteers to – listen or like they're they're trained therapists or what's the uh that i don't know about i don't i don't think they're trained therapists there i think their primary thing is just to be just to offer a place of respite uh-huh and to get a home-cooked meal okay. for for youths particularly in utah county who have been kicked out of their lds families homes right right because they were they were discovered as being a member of the lgbtq community yeah um so it's just a place of Respite and support for them. Um, Sounds very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. We also signed up like 75-ish, maybe a little bit more new members for both American Atheists and Atheists of Utah. Really? Which was pretty cool. We were offering free membership as, as, a, as a special bonus to 
you know, to people, to attendees of the Pride Festival in particular. Right. Because, of course, you know, we're both organizations are hugely supportive of that community and we want to help build their base of support and get more people involved in both organizations. And so we figured that would be a good way to drum up more membership and know who we can help better um, solicit their feedback. And yeah, pride was good. It was, it was hot. It was really humid. Um, and they only had two fucking food trucks for the whole pride festival. Oh geez. Well, one of them was a food truck. The other was just a stand uh, for the no frills diner that apparently exists somewhere in Ogden area. And <laughs> I guess it, I guess it makes sense, right? If it's no frills and they just have a stand set. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And their food was pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. That's, do you get a 25 cent lemonade with it and stuff? <laughs> no. So, so there were, apparently there were supposed to be four different food vendors there. Uh, from what I was told, one of them got shut down by the health department. Another one canceled at the last minute, and so there was Lucky Slice, which is awesome pizza. It's great pizza, great local pizza place, uh, and this No Frills Diner. And, of course, Lucky Slice sold out, I think, before lunchtime even really hit. Right. I mean, the other one's just... Just an unfortunate name. No, well, unfortunate. Well, they they chose the name. Yeah, they chose it. And I'm just saying like, and the food was fucking terrible. Yeah, they had they had on offer taco salad, and you had your choice of chicken beef or oh, I would have gone for the chicken beef. <laughs> you had your choice of chicken comma beef comma <laughs> or uh, chili verde. Mm-hmm. And both Kyle and Carly said that they had tried the chili verde and it was just like this gelatinous, nasty, Yum. awful thing. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, and this was before Lucky Slice was actually closed. And so I went to go get something to eat for lunch. And the only place still open was this no frills place. And I thought, well, Kyle and Carly both said that the chili verde was fucking terrible. So I'll try the beef. And, it was just like plain ground beef with iceberg lettuce and chopped tomatoes. Like there wasn't any dressing. Oh, there wasn't nice. really any seasoning, anything like that in a, in a like really awfully cooked, uh, tortilla shell bowl thing. Wow. But like no seasoning, no dressing. It was just like iceberg lettuce and tomato and hamburger. And I found two bits of bone while I was eating the one third of this mm. awful thing before I threw it in the garbage. But that sounds, yeah, that sounds, uh, and I'm not like the pickiest of eaters. Right. So I, I was, I was willing to give it a shot and figure fine. Fuck it. It's just fuel for a little while because I hadn't eaten anything uh-huh. and I was going to be there until eight o'clock. And, but yeah, yeah it was well, fucking I, awful. I mean, at least they're truth. At least there's some truth in advertising. Yeah, no, no, frills. no frills. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. that describes perfectly. If you, if you your want sour food. cream, go to Taco Bell and get a Supreme Taco. <laughs> but to, we're no frills here. <laughs> You're lucky you get a napkin, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Pride was fun. Um, I again this week was super busy. I don't know how many hours I put in at work between the two teams. It was over fifty, like between fifty and sixty-five, something like that. That's crazy. Uh, just super busy. And then, you know, and then I got, so after the Pride Festival, got to load everything up in the truck 
and and it wasn't just me. I mean, there were other people there too. But so we load it all up in the truck, but then I'm the guy who has to drive it back home, stop at the storage facility, unload it all into there, drive back home. Just it was it was a lot of work. Um I can't remember where I was gonna go with that. But yeah, just super fucking busy all week again. Uh and I get to travel to West Virginia next week. Which I think is going to be cool. Yeah? Yeah. I think that's going to be a cool trip. I hear it's a pretty state. Yeah. I hear there's a lot to look at and it's nice, but I have, I'm a little, I'm a little anxious about it. I'm feeling a, a small amount of anxiety. Okay. More than a small amount, a medium amount of anxiety about it because I haven't met any of my team member, any of my new team members. So I'll be flying out there to meet all of them and- I know that at least two of them are not just moderately religious, but religious enough to have religious taglines in their fucking email at work. That could, that could be like, uh, that could just be like virtue signaling, you know? It could be, but still that would be a virtue that they want to signal. Well, I mean, most people, yeah, <laughs> mo- yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, most, most people who haven't really put thought into it just think, oh, this will make me look like a good person. Yeah. Yeah, possibly, I guess. Uh, but like my, my supervisor, my boss has a religious quote in his tagline. Yeah. And today there, no, it was yesterday. There were emails going around because our new, our administrative assistant is now a permanent member of the team. She had been detailed to our team for like two years and now she's been made a regular actual full-time position on our team. And there were at least two people who responded with, you know, thank God you're on our team now. We're so blessed. Right. And of course, both of those people also have religious nonsense in their taglines and their email signature. And I thought, well, maybe I should do that. And I think I've talked about it before. I've posted on Facebook about it before because there are a lot of fucking people in the federal government who put religious bullshit uh, as as like some religious quote or something from the Bible or their favorite pastor or whomever in the tagline or in their email signature. Right. And for a long time I thought, well, I should put something in mine. And then I haven't, it's been almost eight years now that I've been working there. And I, you know, whenever I see it, I'm like, this is just, it's, it's inappropriate. It's out of place. It's unprofessional. You know, it it doesn't do anything but ostracize people that I work with who aren't believers, you know, who aren't who either are just non-believers or who aren't Christian. Right. I've never seen somebody that I work with have in their email signature anything about Allah right, right. or Moses or Buddha. Well, the ostrac or the- Vishnu or anything like that. It's all Christian bullshit. And the ostracizing is a part of religion that's the that's a the that's kind of what that they're sending up their flag saying this is my tribe mm. and hoping other people will just join them but if not then yeah they're they're going to oppose them yeah yeah so i've i've toyed with the idea of having something in my email signature and the the one thing that i've thought would be good is just the quote from epicurus you know, it, it, what, is God uh, all-powerful, you know, uh, omnipotent, blah, blah, you, 
I can't quote it directly off the top of my head, but it's, yeah. you know, why worship somebody who doesn't really do a fucking thing? If they exist at all, there's very little evidence for that. And yeah, if- he's, he's either not, he's, he can't be all loving and all powerful is basically yeah. the bottom line of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought about putting that in there. Um, I don't know. I've toyed with the, with the idea and I kept thinking, well, no, you know, my complaint with it from other people is that it's unprofessional and ostracizes people. Right. Right. But then I thought, I thought more about it today because it really pissed me off because I saw, you know, two different people right. both offer thanks to God for having a fucking secretary assigned to our team. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, there's fires raging. Yeah. And, and I thought, okay, they've got this in their fucking email tagline. What about all of the non-believers like me at work who see that shit and go, I'm surrounded by a bunch of religious fucking zealots, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe I should put something in my tagline just for people who would see my email and go, oh, good. I'm not the only non-believer here, or I'm not the only non-Christian here. Right. Um, I don't know what... I, I, I wanted to kind of throw it out there to our audience too and see what, see what their thoughts are. Yeah. You guys let me know. What do you think? Should I put something in my email signature? Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to do it because I'm super fucking easy to Google and see what my stance is on, on stuff. You know, if, if you Google Dan Ellis, I think you see me and a professional hockey player. Those are those are the two Dan Ellis's <laughs> that will show up on the first page of your Google's Google search results. So, you know, anybody who has thought about potentially seeing what my views are or what kind of person I am after I joined the team could have already easily done that and could easily do that at any point in the future for my employment there. So it's not as if they don't know what my views are or that they're or that my views aren't easily searchable and findable online everywhere. Um but for other people at work who may not know me or, or be familiar with me and who are non-believers, I thought, well, this could be, you know, the little light in the darkness for them to know that they're not the only ones there that may be non-believers or at least non-Christian. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I've been I've been teetering back and forth either way, whether I should do it or not. What if you just put on there, the only thing holy about Jesus is his hands? <laughs> That might not be great. Um, hmm. I'd like it to be like I haven't seen any that are that are super confrontational, right? It's not like yeah, they're all passive aggressive. Yeah, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen anything like sinners will burn in hell or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's all it's all the fluffy yeah, bullshit right. stuff about God, right? That pseudo inspirational stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hmm. and so yeah, I I I'm toying with whether I should do it or not. And then if I do do it, what quote should I use? So I'm asking you, dear listener, what, what are your thoughts and opinions? And if you think I should do it, you know, if you think I shouldn't do it, why should I not do it? Give me your reasons why. If you think I should, uh, tell me what kind of quote you think would be good there. Give me some examples and maybe we'll, we'll do an informal. You could do like something softer, like. Uh, Jesus's carpentry was adequate at best. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, the whole, the whole irony of him being a carpenter and then yeah, yeah. getting nailed to boards is, I know is kind of funny. Um, yeah. but yeah, so listeners out there, 
Uh, send us in your opinions, your thoughts and opinions. You can do that by visiting our Facebook page at facebook.com slash godlessrevolution or by sending us an email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com or going into the Godless Revolution community page that we have set up on Facebook. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail message at 33081-REBEL. You can also send us a text message to that. There are tons and tons of different ways that you can get in contact with us to let us know your thoughts. And please do. Yeah. We love hearing from our listeners. We have uh, we have made friends with with many of our listeners and uh, friends of the, and now friends of the show. Oh, yeah. That yeah, we've got a great community. We've got fucking awesome listeners, man. Yeah, it's true. Uh, in fact, is a little bit of a seg- segue. Segue. You said you totally set me up there. Um, I I have a Facebook friend, uh, who I met through somebody that you and I both know. We've we've been on their show before. That person has come on our show, and this the the person, um that I'm friends with on Facebook seems like a very, very, very nice person, you know, genuine, sweet, nice, mm-hmm. um, but not the best skeptic in the world sometimes. And, uh, we went the rounds about GMO stuff. I don't know, two or three years ago. And, uh, I, apparently they've come around to, to be more aligned with my way of thinking as far as it pertains to GMOs and pesticides and, and, you know, glyphosate, all that kind of shit. Right. But, uh, they had posted a link on my timeline about, you know, the, these, these bee colonies being wiped out after GMO corn was planted near them. Oh yeah. And said something like, Hey Dan, can you post a response to this? Because my friends are all in a tizzy about this or something like that. And because I've been so busy, I haven't responded to busy a lot like of, a bee. A lot of <laughs> I haven't responded to a lot of messages that I've gotten online recently or things that I've been tagged in because I've just been way too busy. I know that there are messages sitting in my inbox that I have not responded to. I'm sorry. I will try to do that as soon as I can. You know, I I will respond when I get some time. I just haven't had much time available lately. Um but so this person posted that on my timeline and asked me to comment on it and whatever. And listener Riley Moore, who also send us, sends us in quite a few stories, yes, uh, responded and, and posted some, uh, related links on this post. And I was like, well, that's fucking awesome. Our listeners are the best. Yeah. Like i I feel good because we've been educating people about some things. They've, I, I felt awesome that people have actually learned some shit from this show. And that our listeners, not only did they did they learn some things, and, and maybe Riley was already aware of these things before we talked about them. I'm not sure, but that you know she we're we're friends on Facebook now, and she responded and like took care of it. I didn't have to worry about it. That was that was like one more little thing off my plate that I didn't really have time to respond to anyway. And yeah, our listeners are just fucking awesome. So thank you very much, Riley. Again, that was that was very nice of you. Uh, yeah, I keep, I keep wait, waiting for this whole, like, you know, there's a uh, shitty fans that do like, you know, that fuck shit up and make, get cause you problems and stuff. I'm still waiting for that to happen. I've kind of been expecting it, but everyone, everyone I interact with that listens to the show is just cool as hell. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, <laughs> oh, well, this person probably doesn't listen to the show, but I've, I've been trolling somebody on my own timeline. Anytime I talk about politics, there's always the people who, oh, yeah. who are like, they think they're politically, Libertarianism! oh yeah. Either, they always jump in. Yeah. They think they're politically savvy because they've come to the, 
they've they've come to what they believe is a realization or epiphany that both parties are the same. Mm. You know, mm. they may not be exactly the same, but they're both just as bad as a line that I've heard tossed around recently. Yes. Uh, and it's like you can't sure that you know that appeals to the masses. You can you can say, well, both parties are are equally bad. And whether you're on the right or the left, you're going to have people from both sides agreeing with you. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. People who don't know fuck all about politics. Yeah. And people who do know to, who do know shit about politics and have been studying it for a very long time and are very interested and very invested, like myself and many of our listeners, read comments like that and they're like, you're just dumb. Like, maybe, maybe you're not dumb, but you're ignorant of so much history and nuance behind all of the things that are being discussed in this thread. And you just come stomping in with your, you know, all parties are the same or they're both equally as bad bullshit nonsense. And you look like a fucking moron. Yeah. It's a sledgehammer approach when you need a scalpel. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you just look like an ignorant fucking buffoon. When I see that, I hear thinking about all of this stuff is very difficult. So I'm going to give up. Yeah. I don't have to think about it a yeah, whole lot if I just figure they're like. both the same and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. It. I'm not I'm not going to do anything for either party because I I'm just tired of thinking about it and I and I don't really know what the answer is. Yeah, and I'm I'm usually very very open and questioning when when people post that stuff initially because I want to try to figure out what they believe and why and and you know what their particular views are, but as soon as I realize, oh, this person's either just completely ignorant and, you know, is seeking an audience or they're just an asshole. Well, then I don't want to waste any more of my very limited time that I have available sure. arguing with somebody who's just a fucking ignorant turd about this stuff. You know, Tracy oh. reminds me constantly that I'm not the jackass whisperer. <laughs> I don't have to waste my time arguing with people who are too ignorant or too dumb or too stubborn yeah. to have an on and to have an honest and open conversation about this shit. And so... I have so there I usually reach a point where instead of responding I just laugh respond to stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that just delights me because it's a very quick little, you know, I I click the thing and I select the smiley face and I'm done. I don't have to you know, I don't have to go into a long drawn out argumentation back and forth posting a comment and think, you know, reading their replies and putting a lot of thought into it and everything because it's not worth my time. Right, right. I can tell when somebody is uh the term Anthony Magnabosco and and others in the street epistemology movement uses <laughs> doxastically closed. Uh -huh. You know, they're not open to receiving new information. They're only trying to yep. proselytize. They're just seeking an audience. They just want to get their views out there. And if that's the case, then it's not worth my fucking time to even talk to them. Yeah. And so I just laugh respond. And this person, I could tell it was really fucking bothering them because they mentioned in like three or four comments, oh, you're just going to laugh about this. Oh, you think this is funny? You think this is joking? <laughs> in my mind, that's probably why when we were watching the news earlier, uh, when that guy came on, I was like, he sounds like Joe Pesci because I've had Joe Pesci on the mind because this person, oh. some of their rants that they were going on, it was like, oh, you think I'm a clown? Is this, you, you think I'm funny? Right, Am right, I a joke right, to right. you? <laughs> Am I here to fucking entertain you? But yeah. So I've been I've been trolling on my own timeline. And if you don't like I know there are a lot of people who think they know politics because they've come to this epiphany that well po every politician is crooked and bad and both sides are just equally culpable and just as just as wrong and bad as the other side. Well you're just fucking wrong. Yeah. 
you're wrong. And you can be less wrong if you actually take the time to educate yourself about all of the positions and the nuances in between all of those and, and understand the concept itself of fucking basic politics. And this is, this is another area where it's, uh, so much like religion too, where they'll, they, they have the idea that it's all subjective, right? That, oh, well, that's just, that's just what you think about it. Or this is, this is just what I believe about it. You know, it's not like you can't say that one side is objectively right. That kind of thing. Yeah, we fucking can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, well, especially when you can say, these are the types of goals that we have set for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Ourselves. These you, are the things that we want to achieve. Well, I mean, just even, just even in terms of human ethics and morals, the Republicans yeah. fail hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Democrats could do better, but they do do much better than the Republicans in, in terms of ethics and moral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and human well-being and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm tired of having conversations with people who are just going to start calling other people names, who are just going to start spouting shit that they don't really have any fucking idea what they're talking about. And once, so once, once I re- come to the realization that, oh, this person doesn't fucking know what they're talking about, which is fine. Uh, you know, if you don't know something, that's fine. It's, it's also fine to be wrong about something. Right. But if you don't know or you're wrong about something, maybe you should just shut the fuck up. Maybe you should shut the fuck up. Maybe you should take some time to go out and educate yourself to learn more about the particular topic you're, 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 you know, showing your ass on to everybody else to that it, it's painfully obvious. You don't really know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just running your goddamn mouth. Yeah. And it's tricky too, because when you get somebody that's that bad, like they, they don't know what they don't know, right? So they can't see how stupid they look. So there's not there's not a big motivation for them to go get better because they they don't realize how stupid they look. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, and and I've tried like I I've I mentioned it a couple times on the show that I've tried to be more um more diplomatic in my approach to a lot of people, uh more Socratic in my approach to a lot of people in conversations where if they say something where, you know, it could be taken a number of ways, I ask them questions to make sure that I know what their intent was, what they were trying to convey in whatever comment they made, right. what what like, they actually meant when they typed that instead of jumping to conclusions that may be incorrect or making assumptions. I want to make sure that I understand what they're right. talking about first. Like, is English your first language, you fucking cunt? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make sure that I know what they're talking about. And then I also want to make sure that – um that that they understand that there are other ways of looking at the issue. So you can do that just through some probing questions. You know, if you don't understand exactly what somebody was asking, I like to ask questions so I can make sure that I know what they're talking about so that I'm not wasting either of our time. Right. Like, so that if I choose to respond to it, I know, I know exactly what they meant when they said it. And then I can form my response addressing what they actually meant versus, versus a different way that I could have, taken a meaning or you know a different meaning that i could have applied to whatever they typed right, right and then right. i'm just wasting both of our times because i'm typing out something that isn't even addressing what they actually meant and then they've got to provide further clarification and so right. asking questions first is a great way to try to save yourself some time down the road right right and that's the approach that i've been trying to take sometimes i fail but i'm getting better at it all the time i think 
Which brings me to the last bit of stuff in our intro, for me at least. On August 21st, I will be appearing on uh, Sean McCraney's show. Uh, it's here. Apparently, it's a local Christian church that I believe this guy heads. He had sent an email to Atheists of Utah to our board address and uh, just said that and his, so his email says, uh, looking to have an informed, educated, opinionated atheist who despises or has very harsh feelings toward Christianity to be on the show and talk with me in a non-confrontational, respectful way. Please give me a call or email me. His name is Sean McCraney and it lists his phone number. I've never heard of this guy before. Yeah. And so I'm like, talk with you on the show. What fucking show are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, but I right away responded and offered myself as tribute. Said I'd be <laughs> I'd be happy to be a guest on the show uh, and let him know that I'm one of the co-hosts of the Godless Revolution podcasts. What date, time, and location? Uh, and then I responded again and said I forgot to mention that I have served as president, vice president, and secretary for Atheists of Utah, and I'm the state director in Utah for American Atheists, and I'm the co-host or you know i already mentioned that that i'm co-host of the godless revolution podcast he said awesome i really appreciate that i'll get back with you with the date and time location thank you so much and i still was thinking okay what is this for exactly so i said sounds good what's the show and he sent me a link that just says go to www.hotm.tv and i thought Uh uh-huh well that's you didn't really answer any questions. You just gave me a link. Uh, so I didn't visit it right away. He sent another reply and said, Tuesday night, August 21st, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And lists the address to his church, which apparently is called Campus Church. And it's actually right here in Murray. Huh. Just like, uh, I don't know, 15 blocks or so away. So Interesting. I will be heading over there to do that. Uh, posted about it in the Godless Revolution community. Those of you who are listening who are not part of the Godless Revolution on uh, community on Facebook, it's easy to find. You can just type in Godless Revolution community or there's a link from our Facebook page where you can go and request to join. And I posted in there and apparently a few of our listeners are aware of this guy and know who he is. Huh. I, I am, I'm still not at all familiar with him. I did try to watch one of his videos. Uh, it was just, just like the most recent one that he has posted on his website. And he was talking about Jesus has had the full and total and ultimate victory. And a lot of people just aren't aware of it. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. What when, that mean? when Jesus died and was resurrected, he achieved full and complete victory. I still, victory. I don't, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And then he started talking, he started talking, he, pulled up a bunch of different biblical passages and it sounds like he's just created his own church interpreting the Bible however the fuck he wants. Right. And it's so like they all do. That should be interesting. I'm gonna be very Socratic with him on with him on stage also. I currently what I currently believe about the show is that it's broadcast live and later put out on YouTube as a as a link. Um one of our listeners and a friend of mine for for years now uh, actually commented on my post in the community and said that I, you know, he was wondering if 
it will be available as like a bonus episode of the Godless Revolution or anything. And I thought, oh shit, I hadn't actually thought about that. Right. Uh, so I just sent an email to Sean and, or Sean McCraney from, what is it? it? Apparently his show is called Heart of the Matter through Campus Church. I don't know all the links and I don't know if his church is called Heart of the Matter, if that's just a show. He's got like Heart of the Matter 2.0 and 1.0 and I don't know. It looked like he had a bunch of different shows out there. Either he's revamped his position on a bunch of things or just decided to change the way he does the show or I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. Like I said, I've only had time to watch a portion of one video and it seemed silly to me. I mean, he he seemed like a nice enough guy, but it's just like he's making up the God that he wants to believe in that fits his own personal narrative. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Which is what everybody does. But Everybody does. Yeah. But not everybody starts their own church about it. So <clears throat> No, I suppose that's true, but. So I will let you all know if and when that is available or we'll just release it on here. Uh, if I find out more information about it or where you can tune in live, I'll be posting that online and in the Godless Revolution community and out on Twitter and everything. Oh yeah. You can also tweet to us. I've been getting a little bit more involved with the, with the tweeters lately, yeah. but not, I just haven't had a, I don't have fucking time no. to do all this. Yeah. Like with the fucking Instagram and the faces book and the Twitter and our, and our, <laughs> where our show is fucking posted and hosted uh, yeah. everywhere. And oh, that was the other thing too. I told you uh, while we were just down here chatting that I had to rebuild my PC oh, yeah. where I do all the editing and shit upstairs. And uh, apparently with the latest episode or latest release of Windows 10, they did away with the movie maker thing that I was using to create the videos that oh, we were no. posting out on YouTube. And so thankfully Podbean just has this feature where I can just link our YouTube account and I just post our episode to Podbean, and then it automatically creates the video and posts oh. it out to YouTube for us. Well, there you go. So those of you who are listening to this on YouTube or the previous episode on YouTube will notice that the graphics are different and it, the sound quality isn't quite as great because I don't have control over that. Uh -huh. um, and also that may mean that we need to change how we do things because – I put songs in the show uh, yeah. and then YouTube always flags them as so-and-so has filed yeah, yeah. a copyright notice or whatever, copyright violation or you using their content, blah, blah. So we haven't, we haven't gotten in trouble for it. It's just like, they're going to yeah. be collecting ad revenue. It's like, well, we don't make shit on YouTube for these anyway. So no, we have like six views. <laughs> so, so fine. Yeah. Great. They can have, you know, the, the eight cents that we're going to earn on this, on this particular video, that'd be fine. I don't give a shit. Um, but if we, if it becomes a problem that I may have to change and not have a song at the end of the show or something, I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, so that's something to look forward to. I'll be on Sean McCraney's show. Uh, Ryan is out this week again. He sent us a cryptic message about not being here for this week or the 24th. Uh, but that he'll be here next week. And that he may have some news to announce. Yeah. And uh, that's all I know. That's all I know. So we're we're in the dark as much as y'all. And I just responded and said, okay, well, I hope everything is going good. And whatever you're hoping to announce that is exciting pans out. Because that would be great, I guess. He's going to marry his dog, isn't he? Probably. He loves that damn thing. Yeah. Well, so does Sarah. 
And I actually got to meet Oz at she Sarah brought Oz to the Ogden Pride Festival. It was the first time I met him. Oh, Ozfest. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a good boy. Yeah. He's very he has all over the place. He's he's got a lot of energy. But yeah, so I finally got to meet Oz. Uh excellent. That's it for me. Let's talk about some other shit. Or did you have anything else? Just that I'll be in Minnesota for the next couple of weeks, but Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. I didn't think about it till just now. So you'll be in Minnesota, Minnesota, small Coke, land of small Cokes. Small Cokes? Yeah, Minnesotas. What's, oh, (laughs) I get it now. (laughs) What are you going to be in Minnesotis? Oh, my parents are in trouble. Uh Uh-oh. Not really, but, um, we're, I'm just going to go move. I'm, so my mom's been having, well, health problems, quote, quote, unquote, but, uh, (laughs) But they are getting on in years, and um, you know it's difficult for my dad to take care of everything, yeah, uh, and be so far away from you know really any help. I mean, it's like a it's a small town in the northwest corner of the state. Um, mm-hmm. There's just nothing there, so uh, we're gonna transfer my mom to a place down here, and then uh, go up and move. Try to get all my dad's shit together and yard sale as much as we possibly can for a week or so Hmm. um and then load up his trailer with whatever he's gonna bring and then move him down to my house so are you flying out there and driving back yeah it's a long how long is the drive um i've done it in 26 hours before straight through but with the trailer and and everything it's probably gonna we're gonna spend three days damn do you plan on trying to drive straight through or are you No, no, no. We're, we're, we're taking through. We're going to do 400 miles at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Just smaller chunks. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a lot of driving, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope, I hope your parents appreciate it because you could just say, sorry, I'm living in Utah now. And, uh, yeah, you, you decided to leave the state. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's not my fault you fucking live in Minnesota. I know. You got old. Right. Uh, but yeah, well, I, and maybe it's just that you and Ryan fucking hate each other because like Ryan was on for a couple episodes when you weren't. I, I think well, I don't can't think of the last time all three of us were in the studio. I it's it been would, like a month. It would be at least. It would be easy to believe that Ryan hates me because most <laughs> people do. But Ryan is not. Ryan's hard to hate. Yeah, he's a likable, likable dude. Yeah. No, I don't hate Ryan. Of course. Well, because uh, we're just missing. Yeah, because it was just me and you last week. It's just me and you this week. And the next week next he'll be week here, but be, I'll be gone. Yeah, next week it'll be uh-huh. me and Ryan. The week after that'll be only me and you. And then maybe the week after that it'll be all three of us. I don't know. Hmm. We'll have to see how it shakes out. I may not be back on that other week. Let's we'll oh, yeah. see. Well, but, you're going to be gone next week and the following week. You right. Said, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should probably. Yeah. You'll probably be back for that be, one. Yeah. Okay. You'll be back for the I think f- so. first show in September, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we've got some fun stories lined up. Yay. Yay. This is Callie. Just remember, love is love. Support your local lesbians. You're listening to The Godless Revolution. Are you working on your homework, honey? Uh Uh-huh. I'm drawing dinosaur extinction. Is your child coming home from school with confused ideas about life and God? Do you worry about your kids all day? 
Will they have enough to eat? Are they making good Christian friends? What lies are they being taught in science class? That's why you should send your kids to school with Cheez-Its Christ, the only snack that fills them up and absolves their sins. In a country where secular propaganda has infiltrated the education system, Cheez-Its Christ is the one true midday communion snack that belongs in your child's lunchbox. It's low in fat and high in faith, unlike those mainstream heathen snacks. A slow-release, neuronumbing chemical baked into the cheddar cheese flavoring targets the logic center of your child's cerebrum, ensuring that they'll come home with an open heart and a closed mind. Now with Cheez-Its Christ, I know that Jesus is touching my son from the inside out. What are you working on for school today, honey? Homework. Cheez-Its Christ. Savior the flavor. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. A friend, Jack Maturko, wrote a cool piece out on his blog on Patheos. Good old Jack, huh? The fur, the fur infernal use only for mm-hmm. infernal use only is Jack's blog out on Patheos. Uh, talking about Baphomet is more American than the Ten Commandments. What? How so? I thought this was pretty great, actually. Um, uh, his story starts and I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's awesome. And I hope Jack doesn't mind because I really like it and I think everybody should hear about it. Uh, says, as you've heard by now, next week, the Satanic Temple TST will be hosting a rally in Little Rock, Arkansas that will be featuring an appearance by the organization Statue of Baphomet. The event is planned to be an interfaith affair featuring speakers from several different religions, not in support of TST's legal fight to try and get the statue placed on the Arkansas Capitol grounds. But as TST co-founder Lucian Greaves puts it, this isn't a rally of secularists versus people of faith, Satanists versus Christians, or outsiders versus Arkansas. I thought I was going to say Arkansans. What what is the plural? What is the, are they Arkansasians? Arkansasians? Um, Arkansans? I have no idea. Huh. Maybe maybe one of our listeners knows and can clue me in. Uh, anyway, it, it continues and says, This is a rally for all people who hold sacred the founding constitutional principles of religious freedom and free expression that have fallen under assault by irresponsible politicians like Senator Rapert. We welcome people of all backgrounds and religious beliefs to stand with us. Jack says that Rapert, for his part, stuck to his talking points, telling Christian outlet Charisma News that, quote, the majority of the people living in Arkansas support the display of the Ten Commandments monument on our state capital grounds to honor the historical and moral foundation of law that the Mosaic Code represents. Jack says that opens the door to talk about symbolism. Most of my, and for that matter, all media's coverage of the Battle for Arkansas lawn ornaments have focused on the legal principles at play, whether religious monuments have a place in the public square at all, and if they do, then on what grounds could any such monument be denied a place in an open forum? Right. But over the course of the Dominionism series I've been republishing these last few weeks, one thing has become apparent. Many proponents of Christian religious monuments like the Ten Commandments genuinely believe that all monuments are somewhat religious in nature and part of some spiritual battle for the soul of America. That being the case, it's high time we actually take an artistic and symbolic look at the Baphomet and what it represents. Instead of focusing on the letter and spirit of the law, let's think about the spirit of what America is for a minute and ask, why not Baphomet? Many of the components of the Baphomet as conceived by Elias Levi in 1856, are shared with another particularly prominent symbolic representation of the time, 
The highest point of the statue is a flame symbolizing enlightenment, enlightenment, the torch of knowledge lighting the world and dispelling the shadows of ignorance. The figure's right arm is held aloft while the left is held low, symbolizing perhaps the duality between the independence that comes with such enlightenment and the society we create together under a rule of law that ensures the least restrictive means to protect freedoms without infringing on those of others. At this point, you've probably caught on that I'm trying to point out that some thematic similarities to the Statue of Liberty, or or I'm trying to point out some thematic similarities to the Statue of Liberty, which began construction in 1875, scarcely 20 years after Levi's Baphomet popularized the character. The comparison, especially considering the timing of their creations, is not so silly. Art is a visual and interpretive medium, and at times like this, I'm struck by those similarities. There is, after all, a not insignificant portion of the Dominionist Christian right who would even agree with me on that symbolism to an extent. There are Dominionist Christians who believe the Statue of Liberty is a demonic idol. Back in 2011, then-Texas Governor Rick Perry held a prayer rally in Houston as part of the run-up to his failed 2012 GOP nomination bid. At that rally, he had some very fringe theocratic Christian speakers, including, as reported at the time by Right Wing Watch, quote, extremists who believe that tolerance for homosexuality caused the September 11th attacks. Uh-huh. Oprah Winfrey is the harbinger of the Antichrist. What? The deadly Japanese earthquake was caused by the country's emperor having a sex with a demon. Not having a sex with a demon, but having sex with a demon. Well, but so... <sighs> so so this japanese guy is coming all over the face of this demon and Uh, and, right right. as you do yeah so he's got his dick way up his ass and all of a sudden this earthquake happens Uh uh-huh and what what is god doing god can't their god can't stop that apparently well apparently god won't stop the act itself he'll just punish everybody else for somebody else doing it. it's it's the whole jesus story you know you you <laughs> you, you got to have a scapegoat so instead of punishing the two people who are engaged in this act that he doesn't like you know rimming but, rimming demons and shit <laughs> is going to just cause an earthquake that kills a bunch of people yeah, kills and a bunch. poisons the environment and yeah mm-hmm. that's god's way yeah it's yeah. a swell swell character mm-hmm. um the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell caused birth de- caused bird deaths in Arkansas. Oh, okay. And violence should be considered to overthrow President Obama, among many other extreme beliefs. Uh-huh. One self-described apostle who was signed on in his official endorser to Perry's The Response Prayer Rally in John is John Benefiel of the Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network a group affiliated with the new apostolic reformation with ties to other the response endorsers including Cindy Jacobs, C Peter Wagner and J Swallow. In a sermon last August, Benif Benefile Benefiel Benny, we're just going to call him yeah. uh, the Benny guy. Argued that America is under a curse from God because the country possesses monuments to pagan idols and that Americans need to renounce those idols if not destroy them. Benefiel claims that the Statue of Liberty is in fact a demonic idol because it represents a false goddess. Ha-ha! 30,000 people attended that rally. 30,000 people attended that rally. A rally organized and advertised by people who think the Statue of Liberty is an act of spiritual warfare by European Freemasons. 30,000. So... 30,000 people on the right wanted to go tear down a statue that is historical in America. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yeah, weird that they get all, you know, antsy about people taking down statues of, oh, I don't know, Confederate generals and things like yeah, that. Slave masters and, yeah, you know, all this nasty stuff those, that those we still keep Those up. aren't false idols, but, you know, a, right, right. a statue representing, it's it's called Lady Liberty. It represents fucking freedom, and they want to take that shit down. Mm-hmm. So what are the secular values these competing monuments espouse, you may be wondering? Rapert's assertion is that his Ten Commandments monument is a secular symbol about the history and foundations of law. Many, myself included, that would be Jack, find the justification historically short-sighted at best. Yeah. But let's be honest. The vast majority of the supporters of said monument are doing so to symbolically assert the ideals espoused on that monument as fundamentally American. But they simply aren't. At least not most of them. I wouldn't be the first blogger on this or any secular platform to point out the Ten Commandments are ethically flawed from the perspective of championing individual freedom and liberty. Everyone from Christopher Hitchens to George Carlin have covered this topic with both serious evaluation and humorous dismissal. And he's input a uh, link to Christopher Hitchens' Vanity Fair piece talking about the Ten Commandments. And I actually pulled audio from both this and above this. He's got a link to... That Benny guys talk that I, I uphold some audio from that also that we'll be playing as, uh, in between segments of this show. All right. Baphomet, on the other hand, is a representation of the unification of opposites, a symbol of disparate notions unified as one. Much like how America's great melting pot is predicated on the idea that though people may completely disagree about such things as the very nature of reality, we can still come together and make an equitable and egalitarian society in which we all can live. E pluribus unum. Meanwhile, the artistic features of the Baphomet, when compared to other great works of the time, like the Statue of Liberty, evoke the Enlightenment principles on which this country was actually founded. No matter how vociferously the likes of revisionist theocrat historians attempt to say otherwise, America is a beacon of liberty and predicated on the belief that disparate peoples with competing beliefs can live united in these values through the rigorous application of secular laws and values. In some literature, liberty is even Satan's daughter. <gasps> as another blogger, as another satanic blogger, the satanic scholar once very eloquently pointed out, these symbols of Lucifer and liberty are not entirely unrelated in 19th century literature. Quote, in Victor Hugo's La Fin de Satan, The End of Satan, 1854 to 62 and 1886, a feather from the archangel Lucifer's wing falls from heaven down to our world and becomes liberty, Lucifer's angelic daughter. A more positive offspring than sin, the daughter born Athena-like from Satan's head in Paradise Lost. Most significantly, Hugo's Luciferian angel Liberty descends to earth at the time of the fall of the Bastille in 1789, which launched the epochal French Revolution and ushered in the modern world thus illustrating just how intertwined romantic Satanism was with the revolutionary politics of the time. So, if we're being truly fair about the history and symbolism that has made America what it is, we should accept that as America came of age in the Industrial Revolution, it was these symbols, steeped in artistic and occult symbolism, that were representative of the values of the society that was being created. The Baphomet and Liberty are, in my humble estimation, far more American than the pronouncements of a celestial dictator could ever be. 
The ideas Baphomet represents deserve their place in American history. In 1875, when construction started on the Statue of Liberty, individuals so revered the idea of liberty that they deemed it worthy of personification in the form of a 15-story statue in the New York Harbor. The world gave in, gave it its own island to stand on. In our modern era, those same symbolic references, the flame that is the light of reason and justice, the raised arm, the crown, those artistic symbols of freedom are being loaded onto a truck and driven down the down to Arkansas for a rally against theocratic overreach to combat a cynical attempt to, quote, bring America back to Jesus. So next week when TST has their rally and Baphomet is rolled out into the public eye, remember that what it symbolizes is not just some mere tool to combat Rapert's theocratic cynicism. The values and meaning enshrined in the Baphomet rightfully deserve their place as a part of what makes America America at least as much, if not far more, than a list of ten things that make one's religious, that make one religion's petty god mad. Hmm. I thought that was wonderful. It is, yeah. Uh, it was a really good piece. Thanks, thanks, thanks for writing that, Jack. That was awesome. Triple thanks. I like it very much. Guess what Christians are doing in response to Baphomet coming to Arkansas? Are they freaking out? Uh, well, sure. Yeah. But what are they, what are they actually going to do? What actions are they taking? Take a guess, but you can't, mm. I'll bet you don't know. Well, they're not as big a protesters as the left. Yeah. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Ooh, close prayers alone. There's not much thought involved here. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> this, let's see if it works. This comes to us from writer Jessalyn Justice on Charisma News. I wonder if that if if that's uh, maybe a Christian uh, site, uh-huh. maybe. It says that uh, Christians launch prayerful counterattack against satanic idol display. The Satanic Temple plans next week to unveil the demonic Baphomet statue during a rally at the Arkansas State Capitol to counter the Ten Commandments monument. The rally's planned for blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Baphomet statue has the head of a goat with a five-point star on the body of a human. The statue has wings and hooves for feet. Ultra Cultured identifies the idol as a, quote, profoundly influential occult icon, end quote. However, Christian groups have planned a prayerful counter-protest during the satanic demonstration, quote, For the first time in American history, with this brazen display of this Baphomet statue, August 16 will be a day of public acceptance of the devil on American soil. What? So says Jack Burnham of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, or TFP, (laughs) and friends and supporters of its America Needs Fatima campaign. What the hell? (laughs) Quote, Satanism is not a religion. They worship no God, only hating the one true God. His creation and the wise commandments he gave for peaceful and harmonic human societies. This procession with its Baphomet idol of Satan in tow will attract real devils as it makes its way from out of state to the Arkansas Capitol grounds. That is how the devil works, my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spirit-filled Arkansas Senator Jason Rapert, founder and president of AmericanHistoryAndHeritage.org, which raised, oh, I just, the, the, the idea that he could be actually a student and or teacher of American history I is know. fucking laughable, right? He probably just 
he probably just throws a bunch of David Barton stuff up there. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's some Dinesh D'Souza out there to oh, go with it too. God, yeah. Uh, which raised all of the private funds to build and install the Arkansas Ten Commandments monument. Says that though the Satanic Temple has the right to free speech, most of its constituents disagree with his organization's message. The majority of people living in Arkansas support the display of the Ten Commandments monument on our state capitol grounds to honor the historic and moral foundation of law that the Mosaic Code represents. Yep, and that doesn't matter. Rapert tells Charisma News. Completely irrelevant whether they like it or not. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 2005 in Van Orden versus Perry that the state of Texas had a legitimate right and purpose to display the Ten Commandments on their capital grounds. I have also personally visited the Ten Commandments monument on the grounds surrounding the state capitals of Arizona and Colorado and just recently visited the U.S. Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C., boy howdy, where the Ten Commandments are engraved into the doors leading into the court chamber itself, Rapert continues. This so-called satanic temple is a radical atheist group using the trappings of Satanism to mock the history and heritage of our nation. But wait, I thought I thought God will not be mocked. Right, right. They have a right to speak out just like any other group in our nation in accordance with the law, but the vast majority of people in our state and across the country reject their extremism and their ideas, and that is our right. Their brief visit and demonstration are offensive to the values of the people of Arkansas, but we will be here, and the Ten Commandments monument will still be standing on our capital grounds when they are gone, Rapert says. Well, just have to see about that. Yeah, uh, I, you know, if, if they want to have the Ten Commandments, then they need to have something else representing the rest of society. Not everybody in the United States is a Christian. Right. I, they don't give a shit. And that's, therein lies the problem, right? I, I know for, for us, but see, people on the left care more about fairness and people on the right care more about strong leadership. Authority. Yeah. They got to have, they have to have someone telling them what the fuck to do all the time. So as long as Rapert takes a stand on this, which he is doing, they're going to like him and they don't care whether it's fair or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that should make for a good time. Should be lots of fun. Uh, I wish that I could be there for that. That would be, Oh yeah. that would be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I will be, uh, actually I'll be in West Virginia. Doing, doing work stuff. I got to travel to West Virginia for work. I already said that in the opening. You all know that. Okay, fine. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, gang. This is Jack Materko from For Infernal Use Only and the Naked Diner podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Libertas is also called the freedom goddess, Lady Freedom, the goddess of liberty. Do you know there's a statue in New York Harbor called the Statue of Liberty. You know where we got it from? French Freemasons. Listen, folks, that is an idol, a demonic idol, right there in the middle of New York Harbor. And people say, well, no, it's patriotic. What makes it patriotic? Why is it? It's a statue of a false goddess, queen of heaven. We don't get liberty from a false goddess, folks. We get our liberty from Jesus Christ, and that statue of liberty in no way glorifies Jesus Christ. There is no connection whatsoever. So I'm just telling you, we practice idolatry in America in ways that we don't even recognize. 
Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. You want to know how much of a prick God is? Uh, sure. Well, it comes right from one of his biggest supporters who I thought, you know, would would have had more sense than to say something this terrible. A God supporter with sense? <laughs> there are some smart God supporters out there. They sure. they just have some really terrible ways of determining of truth th- thinking. Yeah, yeah. They're they're bad thinkers. So what does that make them? Uh, not good thinkers. Not smart. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, you're right. There there are some. Uh, but apparently, Brian Fisher says that God won't stop school shootings because of abortion. Yeah. So because you're killing babies, I'm going to have maniacs kill children. Yeah. Once they're out of the womb, I guess, Mm -hmm. is his thing. Also, the victims of school shootings may have parents who are anti-abortion. So what does that solve? Oh, yeah. How many of the how many of the students who have been killed have parents or even the students were anti-abortion or anti-choice? Right. Uh, This comes to us from Right Wing Watch. It says that the American Family Association's Brian Fisher kicked off his focal point radio program yesterday. With a Bible reading that he claims explains why God refuses to prevent school shootings in America. Reading from the book of Isaiah, Fisher insisted that God is entirely capable of preventing such deadly attacks and of hearing the prayers of those who ask him to do so, but that he can't or won't stop mass shootings because, quote, his view is blocked due to the nation's tolerance of abortion. What? And then it goes on to list some quotes from him. And rather than read those, I'm just going to play the video. So that means he, God is limited. Sure. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, they don't, they don't say that he's all powerful anymore now because, you know, that it was pointed out that you can't be all powerful. There's, there's no such thing. Yeah. Now it's, he's maxi powerful. You know, yeah. he's, he's yeah. as powerful as he can be. Without breaking the the rules of logic and physics. And- right. So once atheists figured out during all these debates that, hey, this stuff is logically impossible, uh-huh. then they changed their God to fit the next best thing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, he's, he's just on constant retreat. They've got to keep moving that goalpost yep. back and back and back. Uh, let's hear what Brian Fisher has to say on the matter. If God doesn't show up, It's not because he can't. It's not because he doesn't have the power to intervene. His uh, hand has not been shortened so that it cannot save, or his ear made dull that it cannot hear. So it's not that God doesn't have the power to intervene and stop things, or... He's just choosing to be a dick and not help out. Yeah, the the thing I notice about this that's interesting... uh, that I think defines the difference between left and right wing brains uh-huh. is he's t- almost 30 seconds into this. And all he's talking about is God's power, his power, his power, mm-hmm. nothing about love, nothing about the, the loving side of God that would want to stop these shootings. Nothing about that. He's just power, 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 authority, yeah. authority, authority. That would want to keep his children safe, right? The ones yeah. that he loves more than anything. Yeah intervene and stop things, or that he's not hearing the prayer requests that we offer. It is that his hear is not too dull that it cannot hear. So what is the problem? Verse 2, Isaiah tells us, your iniquities, 
speaking to the nation, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So we're more powerful than God. Yep. Awesome. All we have to do is sin, and then he's he's useless. Then he's like, where did you go? I can't see you anymore. You've sinned, and now you're invisible to me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That God, what a weak fucking shit he is. Yeah. Why, why, why are they worshiping such a weak, yeah, pussy-ass fucking God? Makes no sense. So, uh, you know, you, we have these school shootings at Sandy Hook and other places. And what we need to realize, this is basically what Isaiah is saying, is, look, if you have a culture, you have a nation that spends 60 years telling God to get lost, then then he has to do it, apparently. Not only that, but this the United States is considered the most Christian nation on earth. Uh-huh. So we haven't spent 60 years telling God that. <laughs> and it's weird, right? Because we're the most... Christian nation on earth, but we also have the most shootings uh-huh. of any nation, particularly school shootings. Uh-huh. I wonder why that is. I mean, it couldn't be the easy access to so many guns. I mean, obviously that's not it. No, no. That's that's just weird, right? I mean, like like Damp said, I mean, the real problem with all of these school shootings is the gun-free zones. Right. We need to get rid of the gun-free zones, and that would fix the school shootings. Well, if they're not going to accept guns as the problem for gun violence, uh, we should just say, we should just come up with another correlation. Like, oh, well, then it must be religion. Oh, that's probably what it is. That is, well, like, oh my God, you, I think you have discovered it. Because we are the most Christian uh-huh. nation in the world, and we have and the most, we have mass the most shootings. shootings, that's obviously uh, Christianity is the reason we have all of these shootings. Yeah, it's not sin; it's Christianity. Jesus wants everyone to have holes in their hands. Brian, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fisher just has it all completely backward yeah. and fucked up. Yep. Yeah. Then we should not be surprised when he's not around when we want him to be. Now, what have what we a done fucking prick, then. to create yeah. this separation between us and a God? Yeah, really. Like, yeah, let, let's put this another way, then. So let's let's say that instead of this spiritual being, this weird entity, excuse me, sorry, <clears throat> microphone rubber. Uh huh. Um, we'll say that it's h- human parents, right? And uh-huh. so we'll say that like a parent has a toddler. And the toddler is clearly going to be annoying and do stuff you don't want to and like keep getting the toys out or whatever. And so basically what he's saying is if that toddler keeps getting the toys out and putting them all over the floor, if he does that enough times, then the parent can't do anything. Or if the toddler ends up hurting themselves and crying, then the parent, what the parent should do is say tough shit. You didn't listen to me. You kept pulling the toys out. So now I'm not going to help you. And, and, only, and he, Brian Fisher is saying, that's okay. That's a good way to be. Yeah. Well, and not only am I not going to help you, but I'm going to go murder somebody else because you've done this. Right. That's what God would do. Yeah. According to Brian Fisher. What a fucking crazy, unfit parent that is. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't, I mean, you, if, if you or any other just parent out in the world saw somebody doing this to their children, you'd call DCFS, yeah, right? Yeah. 
if you're a decent person and don't want to see this kid harmed in the future, yeah, they would like people should be calling DCFS on God all the fucking time mm-hmm. to create this separation between us and a God whose ear can hear and whose arm can say, but he doesn't because there's a separation between us and him. Uh, verse three, your hands are defiled. So it's not only that that we're more powerful than him, but I mean, if so, if if it's not that we're more powerful than him, then he just fucking gives up. He doesn't care because yeah. he's too fucking vain, right? Because we're not yeah. doing what he wants, and so he's gonna throw a fucking tantrum. Yep. Well, if you're doing that, then I'm not gonna help you. Yeah. Fuck he's gonna you. take his ball and go home. Fuck you. You're, you're not doing it. what I wanted you to do, and so I'm not gonna help anymore. You're just being a bad, mean person. So I'm gonna take my, but yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. With blood, he says, and your fingers with iniquity. So when we hold up our hands in prayer, you know what God sees? When the people of our nation lift their hands to God in prayer, he sees the blood of 60 million innocent babies defiling our hands and dripping off our fingers. I just don't understand the opposition at the same time to both abortion and contraception like you you want to you know you want to know how you solve the problem of abortions Mm -hmm. you have comprehensive sex education and you give people easy access to contraception yep no more no more abortions right or very you get a huge reduction in the number of abortions Mm -hmm. if you want to have a shit ton of fucking abortions and a shit ton of kids who people either don't want or don't care for or can't care for yep then you don't give them comprehensive sex education and you don't give them access to contraception yep we know that's how it is and then you end up with kids that are neglected, families who don't give a shit, they're abused. Mm-hmm. You basically, you end up with a bunch of little fucking dummy Christian robots. Yep. That it's one more thing that the theocrats try to impose on people. And I don't know if they're actually conscious of this or not, but when they do things like that, it, the way it works is that it ends up dumbing down the populace, right? Because then you have, mm-hmm. A lot more people who nobody can take any time to actually spend time with to educate properly, to raise, right, to teach valuable things to because there's just way too many people to to care about. There are, they don't have the financial means to do it. They don't have the emotional and uh, uh, any other means necessary, uh, all the resources required in order to train up a child in, mm-hmm. in the image of Christ and what they want them to do, they're neglected. Yeah. And then they end up, you know, our, our school systems suffer because there's overcrowding. We don't have enough teachers. Their pay is low because the people on the right think that they shouldn't have to pay them a decent uh-huh. living wage. Hell, yeah. they get three months off every year. All of that kind of bullshit. All yeah. of it. All of it works to dumb down the populace, yep. which in turn makes happy little Christians. Mm-hmm. More people who and, just go to church makes- and pay their tithing. And it makes the well, the quality of life in the country drop and drop and drop. And the more right. the more Republicans are in power, the more the quality of life drops. And the more the quality of of life drops, the more religious a society tends to get. When yep. when yep. when you increase people's happiness, their livelihood, their education, their, education, their income, mm-hmm. all of those things, as you increase those, their 
need necessary their need their uh requirement their their desire desire to worship something else diminishes because they're happy they're fulfilled they don't need something else yeah. to hope and wish and pray to right they don't need an invisible sky daddy that they hope one day mm-hmm. will you know, give them $10,000 mysteriously or we'll let them win the jackpot or we'll handle some other problem that they're having in their life because Mm -hmm. they don't have a whole lot of problems in their lives. Yeah. And the whole, the whole God thing really is, uh, based in human desperation, right? Mm -hmm. It's, uh, people who are afraid of death and they're desperate to continue living. They're desperate to see their loved ones again and forever. They're, they're desperate for, food or money or, or, you know, whatever the situation is, find your car keys, all that bullshit. It's all desperation. And it's like, it's begging, you know, to change your situation. But when, when you have your needs met, yeah, that, that stuff kind of goes away. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it, I mean, even, even cause there are, of course, there are a lot of atheists who, who want to slash need for things. Um, but I think, I honestly do think that it's a grow, an emotional growing up. Mm-hmm. to get out of that. I think I think I think people who are religious and they're adults are emotionally stunted mm-hmm. and immature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Particular and I and I would say that that's on a sliding scale too that like the more the more religious they are, the more proselytizing, the more they demand of God's time, the less educated generally speaking mm-hmm. they are. Um you know, some of the most quote unquote devout uh, followers of Christ that I know or have been acquainted with were some of the stupidest people that I know mm-hmm. and or the ones who are most in need of financial help right. or emotional support or mental health, mental health. You know, they had a variety of mental health problems uh, or they were just seeking atonement for things that they've done in their past. I can't right. tell you how many fucking people I've met who, you know, cheated on their wife or, or husband, you know, they, they cheated on their spouse. They've done a bunch of drugs. They committed some minor offense or even a felony. And then because of that, they feel like they need to turn their lives around in a tone. And because they don't know any better, they turn to the one thing that all of their stupid friends tell them. Yeah. And that's, you need Jesus. Yeah. Jesus can save you. Jesus will solve all of your problems. He's the redeemer and savior. He spilled his blood. He sacrificed himself mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't have to spend your life in, in abject poverty and then spend eternity trip. in hell. It's a massive guilt trip. Yeah. I, I already made this sacrifice for you. You fucking owe me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of like what they're saying. They're like, yeah. you know, he spilt his blood. He blah, blah, blah. He, you know, well, I didn't tell him to do that. Yeah. I never he, asked for he any just of that. did it. And now I'm supposed to owe him for it. Like, yeah, I never asked for any of that. Why is he? Yeah. Well, it's because he's that selfless. He knew that you would need his help one day. And it's the, the whole, the whole idea is, is fucking wacky. Anyway, it's one of the things that I am hoping that I get to talk to Sean McCraney or McCreary about when I go on his show, just how, how he can justify some of the different beliefs that he has and, and teaches to other people because they're, they're loony to me. They're just fucking nuts. I don't understand how people can live their lives carrying on believing these types of things. Well, and I'm, so he, sorry. Oh no. I'm sure that, uh, 
Sean, whatever his name is, is probably going to be listening to these because he's going to be getting familiar with you. So oh. uh, I should just say that uh, Dan will probably be much more polite and kind in your studio. Oh, not at all. I'm going to tell nope. him to go fuck himself. This God's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> You're fucking preying on weak people. No, yeah. no, none of that. Um, <laughs> well, and that's interesting, too, because like I thought, well, I should do a bunch of research on this guy and figure out what he's all about and everything. And and in the end, it's like, I, I don't need to, right? I don't, like, I know, mm-hmm. I know all about religion. I know all about Christianity. I may not know his particular interpretations of it or anything, but there's really no fucking need. I shouldn't have to know what each individual person across the United States or the rest of the world believes in particular to their form of worship of some invisible guy in the sky. Mm-hmm. Because it's all fucking nonsense. Well, and, and, and I'm not the one sh- who should have to explore how and why they think the way they do. Right. They should justify why they think that. Yeah, why yeah, yeah. are you, instead of suspending belief in something you have no proof for, why are you just openly going, yeah, I don't have anything to back it up, but it sure makes me feel good. And so I'm going to do it. Mm. It's great. And everybody else should do it too. And if you don't, then you're bad and you're going to be on fire forevers and evers. Mm-hmm. No, you need to fucking justify that kind of belief to me it, right. because otherwise I have to go to each individual person and say, no, I don't know exactly what you believe. Can you tell me exactly what it is and why? So that I can try to figure out – so that I can try to poke holes in your particular theology. Right. No, that's, it's nonsense. I shouldn't – the onus isn't on me to determine or to be the one to to figure out what everybody else believes – because everybody is different. We've talked about it several times on the show that everybody, you can walk into a church. Everybody in the church has different views of, of what God is, what heaven mm-hmm. is, what hell is, what an afterlife is, where we were before we're born, what's going to happen to us when we die, all of that. Every fucking person in the church has a different view on at least one of those particular points of theology. Oh, yeah. And so it's pointless to try to, yeah. to try to study, you know, I'm not going to waste my time watching his stupid goddamned videos <laughs> because he's just saying a different version of, of the same type of bullshit that everybody else talks about. Yeah. You know, I have, I don't have time to study every fucking per, every fucking religious person that I'm going to talk to. Right. So that I can prepare to counter any points that they bring up. All I have to do is rely on logic and critical thinking. Yeah, you just how did you get to that decision? How did you end how did you what path brought you there? That's all yeah. you need to do. Okay, so how did you get to that? Yeah. You know, how, you know, and then of course they won't be able to But here's a here's the thing though. That even even people who like are hardcore um Christ believers or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um are still really skeptical. Like they're about, I mean, about some things like they, if you try to tell them something about Jesus, that it is inconsistent with, with what they've learned. Like if you say, Oh, well actually Jesus was black and he spent his teenage years and young adulthood in India and then came back and stole a bunch of stuff from Buddhism and put it in the Bible or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, no, fuck you. No, it isn't. That's not true. No, that's, there's no way that's true. Yeah. Well, that's what they're immediately going to say. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Wait, why, why, wait, why are you turning on your skeptic? Why, why don't you just accept everything everywhere? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what, what makes it those certain things that get in and then everything else they're like, no, fuck that's, there's no fucking way that's true. Well, yeah, they're, they're skeptical of 
every other religion that's out there, right? Uh-huh. Clearly, they've chosen a, re- or maybe not even chosen, but right. they've, yeah. they have a certain set of beliefs and reject all of the other religions out there. So they're skeptical. Right. Like right know, out, a, out of hand, too. Oh, they yeah. don't look into it. They're oh, just yeah. like, no, that's fake God Muslim bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever, whenever I have uh, conversations with Christians, it's always like, well, you know, did you know about this? And did you know about that? Yeah. I have. I've I've heard all different flavors of Christianity, right. and they all have the same fundamental base of bullshit yeah. that they're built on. It's yeah. bull. You you have a foundation of fucking nonsense bullshit. So it doesn't matter what you build on top of that. Your foundation yeah. is fucking rotten. Yep. And they're skeptical of every other religion that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, just out of hand. The, then yeah. they're then they're super skeptical, and they haven't right. looked into that. Why Why are they telling me that I have to waste my time trying to? You know, look into what their particular religious beliefs are when they haven't studied the religious beliefs of, you know, thousands of other, even just Christian denominations, let alone entire different branches of different theological beliefs. Yeah, yet they've discarded those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Interesting. So, like I said, I watched a part of one of his videos and I was just like, this is fucking stupid and boring. And the arguments he's making are so ridiculous that like – I don't, and I just, it just hit me like, I don't have to study this guy. I don't Uh have to, it's not a debate. We're going to have a conversation. Yeah. And the things that he believes, he has no (laughs) rational, logical basis for believing them in the first place. Like, it's to the point where he had to start his own Christian church because Uh everybody else had it wrong. He, for some reason, has fucking figured it out. Everybody should listen to him because he's the smartest Christian on earth. He's the he's, one with the got, answers. He's, he's the, the super channel. Christian. Yep. It's fucking stupid. That I get really frustrated because I don't I shouldn't have to waste my fucking time addressing every different flavor of Christianity. They're all bullshit. They all have the same rotten base. Yeah. And that's what he's built his church on. The same fucking nonsense that every other Christian religion has built their nonsense on. Yep off our fingers and so he can't hear he can't see his view is blocked by the blood the shed blood of the innocents we were away from it for so long i kind of forgot where he was (laughs) so god is very very limited in his power Uh uh-huh and 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 yet not one single mention about whether or not he has love for his kids brian fisher apparently doesn't care about that part at all Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not God is super powerful can beat up your dad. Well, yeah, that's that's the main thing, right? They don't they don't want to worship a weak god. And so when you when you can point to specific things and say, "Okay, if your god is all powerful and he's all loving, then why isn't he helping here?" And so then they have to do this backpedaling and creating bullshit mm-hmm. excuses like Brian Fisher is doing here where he has to say, "Well, it's not that God is weak, and it's not that he doesn't care, it's that you've pushed him away." Yeah. And so I'm wondering what he would have as a defense or a response to the point of, okay, well, clearly God isn't perfect then because a perfect being wouldn't give a fuck what anybody else thought of it. Well, and the other thing is, I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can say that he, like you just said, well, it's not that God's weak. You just pushed him away. I think those two are exclusive. What do you mean? Well, Let's just say like- Is English your first language? (laughs) What do you say? (laughs) 
So uh, let us say how Mike Tyson <laughs> um, is, let's say Mike Tyson wants to kick your ass, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and a like four-year-old doesn't want him to kick your ass. Okay. So the four-year-old goes and pushes Mike Tyson away from you. Okay. So the problem there is that if Mike Tyson stays away from you, it's because he fucking wanted to. There's mm. no way in hell that four-year-old can keep Mike Tyson away from you. Well, yeah. So. Yes. Just, yeah. So if, so it is, a, it, it, if the four-year-old could keep Mike Tyson away, then Mike Tyson is weaker than a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless he doesn't want to do it. Well, and that gets into Christians saying that you have to want a relationship with God. You have to seek him. You, He won't, you know, he's not going to strip away your free will and force himself into your life. But yeah, you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does all the time. Every every interaction we have on earth is a is would be an infringement on our free will. What? I mean, you know, every, driving driving up here to your house, there was a ton of interruptions and things I had to adjust for, and all kinds of stuff that you know is not. I had to sit in traffic for longer than usual today. And that's, that's not what I planned to do. That's mm-hmm. not the way I would want it to go. I mean, you're constantly having to adjust your life for other people. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it, there is no such thing as free will, but if there was, this would be a constant intrusion on it. Mm-hmm. Everything would be, everything would be an intrusion on your free will, forcing you to make new decisions. And God is in charge of every single one of those little things. So he's constantly, Constantly, constantly encroaching our free will. will. So that's bullshit. Yeah. And the only time he uses that excuse is when he want, when he doesn't save a life. Oh, well, sorry. Your free will. What the (laughs) fuck about traffic, man? Use use the free will thing on traffic. (laughs) Well, and it's bullshit too, because Christians always say that, you know, God is pining for a personal relationship with you and you can have one with him. If you, if you choose to seek him out and know him, well, if he wants and desires to have a relationship with me, he's the one with the fucking power, man. I don't, I don't have as much power as God, right? Right. right. If he wants a relationship with me, he knows what he has to do in order to make that relationship work. And he's not doing it. Yeah. So is he doing it because he wants me to be an atheist and he wants me to test other people? Must be. That's a really fucking shitty thing to do, right? He'll use you for a while and then send you to hell forever. Yeah. Put put me here just to lead others astray and then send me to hell and drag as many people yeah. with me as I can. Right. Yeah. What? what an asshole. I know. I know. He's awful. Hi, this is Regina Tippetts. I'm a licensed professional counselor. You can find me at Secular Therapy Project or rctcounseling.com. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. How might uh, Decalogue look if it was written for the 21st century? I never quite trust myself beginning a sentence by saying, Thou shalt not, but let's see if we can adapt this famous question. Number one, do not condemn people on the basis of their ethnicity or their color. Number two, do not ever even think of using people as private property or as owned or as slaves. Three, despise those who use violence or the threat of it in sexual relations. Number four, hide your face and weep if you dare to harm a child. Number five, do not condemn people for their inborn nature. 
Why would God create so many homosexuals only in order to torture and destroy them? Number six, be aware that you too are an animal and dependent on the web of nature. Try and think and act accordingly. Number seven, don't imagine that you can escape judgment if you rob people with a false prospectus rather than with a knife. Number eight, turn off that fucking cell phone. You can have no idea how unimportant your call is to us. Number nine, denounce all jihadists and crusaders for what they are. Psychopathic criminals with ugly delusions and terrible sexual repressions. Number 10, be willing to renounce any God or any faith if any holy commandments should contradict any of the above. In short, don't swallow your moral code in tablet form. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! You have for us a story? I do. Uh, in the hippy-dippy age of Aquarius of the 1960s and 70s, the youth motto was don't trust anyone over 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, because their elders clearly were clueless about what really mattered, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Today, as 40 is arguably the new 30, it's the oldster's turn. The crotchety crowd now might well say, don't trust anyone under 40, because young folks are clearly uninspired by what really matters in their elders' more conservative traditional lives, godly religion. But elders, at least in the West, are on the losing end of this generation gap. Secular people, not just in America, but in many countries worldwide, are relatively young and enjoy the benefit of a far faster growing numbers, while more demographically static seniors are relentlessly dying out. Relentlessly dying out? That's what it says. (laughs) A Pew Research Institute study released on June 13th. (laughs) What? Did I say June? On June 13th. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's unlucky. <laughs> uh, 13, that's a good number. Uh-huh. Um, where was I? Unless it's Jew 13th. Yeah. A uh, Jew Research Institute study <laughs> released Jew 13th uh, titled, The Age Gap in Religion Around the World found that while young adults tend to be less religious than their elders, the opposite is rarely Jew. <laughs> uh, according to a report in Baptist News Global Online, uh, BNG notes that the world's younger adults have generally have generally begun to give up their faith in the efficacy and veracity of religion. Veracity. In other words, non-religious people today don't believe religious dogma is true. Is excuse me, don't believe religious dogma is Jew or effective in improving their lives. <laughs> Uh, so as religiously apathetic or dismissive young adults are increasingly joining the expanding global demographic of what are known as nuns, uh, the good news is, if nothing else, church and denominational leaders in the states can, have, can take comfort knowing that they're not alone in the struggle against declining memberships and affiliation. American churches are graying. Uh, the the Jew Jew study involving research in more than 100 countries and territories <laughs> over the last decade reports that in the United States, religious congregations have been graying for decades, and young adults are now much less religious than their elders. 
Uh, recent surveys have found that younger adults are far less likely than older generations to identify with a religion, believe in God, or engage in a variety of religious practices. They figured it out that it's a waste of time? Yeah, I think so. Uh, religious alienation is, however, much broader than just in North America or Western societies, Jew data shows. The survey report states, although the age gap in religious commitment is larger in some nations than in others, it occurs in many different economic and social contexts, in developing countries as well as advanced industrial economies, in Muslim-majority nations as well as predominantly Christian states, and in societies that are overall highly religious as well as those that are comparatively secular. Uh, for people younger, adults, for for, sorry, for example, adults younger than 40 are less likely than older adults to say religion is very important in their lives, not only in wealthy and relatively secular community, uh, countries such as Canada, Japan, and Switzerland, but also in countries that are less affluent and more religious like Iran, Poland, and Nigeria. Huh. Well, yeah, I mean, young people are walking away from church left and right, but I think it's because they have... They have better access to more information, right? They have the world's knowledge at their fingertips mm -hmm. through their phone, their computer, whatever. They can see the rampant hypocrisy throughout every type of religion. Yeah. Uh, and they just, they have no need for it. You know, yeah. they, they don't need, they don't need an explanation for why bad shit happens or why good shit happens. Good and bad shit happen because they just happen naturally. Well, I, yeah. And I think. I think the other thing is like uh when you pr when you pray for things and nothing fucking happens I think the younger kids are like okay that's that's kind of the answer like what are what are you guys doing mm -hmm. you know I I I know a few people at least that just had you know they were raised religious um prayed for a few things when they were younger and like important things you know and that didn't happen they're like oh okay well I guess that's bullshit mhm mm well, and how many times would you have to go, would you have to apply that test, right? How many times, how many, how many times would you have to say, <laughs> how many times do you have to do the same test over and over? I hear a lot of religious people, older religious people say, well, you know, yeah, I, I pray to God and sometimes he answers my prayers and sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes it takes, you know, a week or a month or a year, or a decade. Like, dude, that's not how it works. Like, you can't wish for something now, and then 10 years from now, after you've worked hard to achieve it, and it happens, and you say, oh, God did this. Mm -hmm. No, God God was not around. God had no hand in this at all. Well, it was you. And the other thing is, like, why do they like him? Like, he's a fucking prick if he's doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, you might get it, you might not get it. If you might get it in 10 years, you might get it right before you die, or you might get it right now. But I'm never going to tell you. You just have to wait. And it, <sighs> and you might never, ever get it. Like, what the fuck? What a fucking capricious asshole. Yeah, well, and it's weird the type of hoops that they'll jump through to justify that, right? And then It's got to be on his time. It's the right timing and all well, that Well, yeah, bullshit, and then it always but, makes me wonder, like, are you a really terrible parent? Like, would you do that yeah, kind of shit to yeah, your kid? Is that like you, you justify this in your own mind as, oh, well, he's teaching me a lesson. Oh, it's delayed gratification. Oh, sometimes the answer is no, because there's a bigger plan. 
Like, is that the way you yeah. treat your own children? Right. Is that the way you, like, oh, well, I'll let you learn this lesson by, you know, I'm, I'm watching you walk over to this stove with glowing coils on the top of it because somebody left the burner on or glowing. Did I say coals or coils? Anyway, mm-hmm. you're where the burner is on and it's fucking red hot glowing mm-hmm. and you're just some stupid person who doesn't know any better. I do, but I'm not going to give you any warning at all. I'm going to let you wander over and touch the hot stove because that that's the best way to teach you a lesson. Well, it's even slightly worse than that, right? Because it would be like the kid standing there wanting to and then saying, Dad, should I touch this stove or not? And you just totally fucking ignore him. Yeah. Pretend you can't even hear him. I might tell you, and you know, you might, and then you wait for 10 years and say no. And what have you done in the meantime? Touched it a bunch of times, done a bunch of other things to fuck up. You've lost or, a finger or, in an eye. Or you walked away and you never touched it because it was hot. And then when you came back 10 years later and he said, no, you're like, God is so good. He gave me the answer. <laughs> Not when I needed it necessarily, but when it was important. He, he answered it. He answered my question now because now's the time that I should have that information. Yeah. If I'd had it earlier, maybe something bad would have happened to me. He withheld that knowledge from me. He withheld that help from me in order to help me more in the long run. Like they have to do all of these mental gymnastics to justify whatever it is that they just want to believe. Yeah. For whatever reason, that's what I can't figure out. That they have no justification for actually believing, but it's what they want to believe. And why would you want to worship that guy? Because he's super powerful. It's the authoritarian. But he's not. It's the authoritarian. Thing. I know, but he's not even that powerful. They're talking about all the time. We, but he, he could, could just... be if he really wanted to. He just doesn't want to. That's the difference, Matt. He oh, just doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah. Okay. You've you've got him in a mood because you've been trying to kick him out of your schools forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You won't you won't let your kids pray in schools anymore, and so now he's just like, well, fuck you guys. Then I'm not going to help you. Oh, fuck, that fuck you then. I don't understand how they can how they can say those types of things and then still say that their god is perfect or as or yeah. is as perfect as can be. Like I said, because if 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 a perfect being is concerned with what other people think about it, then it's then it's an imperfect being. Yeah, and not only not only that, but he makes an awful human. He's not even he's not even good for a human. Right. Yeah, and why would why would you choose to not only believe that that being exists but to worship it and not just to worship it, but to abjectly demean yourself and get on your knees and be a mental slave and victim for this, for this invisible being. It's so pathetic. I can't, I can't stand that. Yeah. Get on your knees and beg and grovel and ugh. And why would you have to do that to a being that is perfect perfect. anyway either? Yeah. Like it shouldn't matter how you approach it, what you say. It knows everything about you. Yeah. A perfect being would never demand that. No, it, it would be completely unconcerned with anything. Yeah. If it is completely perfect, it would have no need for anything. It would have no use for anything. It's perfect. But this is what Dr. Garcia was saying when he was on, on the show about that, 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 that kneeling and groveling is exactly what you'd expect from a group of primates. Yeah. From a bunch uh, of stupid apes who, yeah, who, who (laughs) are dealing with the alpha male, the alpha of the group. And, you know, you get this big, hairy, you know, muscly, powerful thing. And you, you know, you're supposed to show submission to the pack leader. And so that's why, you know, the Yahweh was imagined that way because he's yeah, show he, submissive deference yeah, to the, the more powerful thing. The alpha. Yeah. He's the pack leader, the alpha. Yeah. 
So a bunch, every religious person is a fucking beta cuck. <laughs> bunch of soy boy beta cucks. <laughs> President included. Uh, hopefully by this time next week, uh, Paul Manafort will be in prison yeah. or we'll have struck a deal. I don't think he's going to prison. You don't think so? I don't think any of those guys are going to go to prison. I what? So white collar. Yeah, but what? I mean, what kind of penalties would they be facing otherwise? They'll give them fines. Yeah, I bet. Like three three million dollar fine, and everyone will go, "Holy shit, that's so much!" But he's got thirty million in an offshore one offshore account somewhere that he's not paying taxes on or whatever. Yeah, it's not. It'd be a slap on the wrist. Well, and you and I were talking about this pre-show, and. About the injustice of the whole thing, right? When you talk about white collar crime versus, and that's and that's a pretty shitty way to talk about it too. Like white collar crime versus what is the other color collar? Blue, blue collar. Blue collar crime. Yeah, I mean that. I know white and blue collar is used when when talking about work parlance, managers mm-hmm. and and subordinates or regular employees. But is it the same for crime? It's white collar and blue collar crime. I think so. Yeah, and blue collar is more your violent stuff, your robberies, rapes, murder, drug offenses, drug offenses. But but how? But but the inequity of it, where you know Paul Manafort can can do these things that harm. You know, tens of thousands of people at a time, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions or tens or hundreds of millions of people. Mm-hmm. If he's working with a, if a, if he's working with a agents from another country in order right. to subvert our leadership here, whatever. And that's not to even, that's not even to mention the fact that he's never paid his fair share of taxes or anything to the country. Right. Yeah. That, that's a whole nother thing, but yeah. more harm there. Yeah, but so the, a lot of his actions can have deleterious effects for so many people, mm-hmm. and he may end up with a slap on the wrist or a fine. Right. But you can get caught selling weed. You know, you can get caught selling an ounce of weed three different times and then end up spending the rest of your life in fucking prison. Or even just get killed right there. Yeah. Yep. That's just gross to me. Yeah, and- you know, you'll never be able to buy your way out of jail like uh, Manafort and his cronies are going to do. Well, and even when he was in jail, he talked about being treated like he was royalty. Yeah. They gave him his own cell. They gave him access to a fucking laptop and a phone he could use anytime he wanted. Yeah. It was like he was he was at he was at Camp Fed. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's, it's just, a completely different experience from every from anybody else who doesn't have money. Yep. Yep. And Republican policies are just making that worse and worse, worse all the time. Worse and worse and worse. Yep. <sighs> well, what else have we got here? Oh, I wanted to talk about this. Mm-hmm. The LDS Church famously in uh, 2015 changed the policy regarding baptizing children of gay couples. And that has notoriously kind of been... Has, has come to be known as the November 2015 policy that then, you know, anybody who's in the know as far as Mormonism knows what you're talking about. And recently the LDS church doubled down on that horrific policy. Mm. Uh, for those of you who may not be in the know who are new listeners to the show and haven't heard me talk about how angry I was with the mama dragon who either didn't know or refused to admit that she knew about the LDS church's policy. This was in November of 2015. The LDS church passed or or instituted a new policy that children 
who have one or more parent who is gay and cohabitating with a partner that in order for that child to be baptized, they have to get uh, special permission from an ecclesiastical leader and they have to disavow uh, their parents' lifestyle. Basically, they have to disown their parents in order, their gay parents, in order to be baptized into the LDS church. Mm-hmm. They do that for both. Uh, you know, it's been a long time policy that they would do that for polygamous children. Um, but I don't know that they would have them wait to 18. I know that they would have to get special permission from the parents, I believe, hmm. and a regular Mormon ecclesiastical leader in order to be baptized. But I don't know that they had to wait until they were 18. And I don't know that they would also have to, uh, renounce their, renounce or denounce their parents and their parents' lifestyle as being other than sub, you know, other than as being suboptimal. Right. Uh, but they do require that of, uh, children of gay parents yeah and it's not something they require of say children of atheist parents Mm -hmm. or parents of a different faith or agnostic parents or satanist parents or anything like that it's specifically polygamists because the church has a long history with that but you could still be baptized and they have singled out uh gay people uh, this story comes to us from KUER, which is a local radio station here. Uh, it's the where they host Radio West, which is a f- really good show. It is, yeah. Uh, I was actually on Radio West a, a long time ago. Yeah. When when the uh, I believe it was when in 2014 when American Atheist was oh, hosting okay. the convention here. Uh, but the story says that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints has quietly doubled down on a controversial policy toward gay members by including it in a recently updated manual for missionaries. Commonly referred to as the November policy, the guidelines were released on November 5, 2015, just months after the U.S. Supreme Court legalized gay marriage. The policy labeled same-sex couples apostates and disqualified their children from being baptized without special permission. Which is bullshit, because I'm an apostate, right? But my kids could get baptized into the Mormon church if they wanted. right. right. They wanted to horribly disappoint their father. (laughs) Uh, Addison Jenkins, a student at Brigham Young University and an openly gay Mormon, said the 2015 policy was a watershed moment for the church's gay members. Up until then, gay members seemed to have a little more flexibility in matters of faith and sexuality. Jenkins said that Jenkins said that changed with the new guidelines, which sent a clear message. No more gray area. Or as he puts it, quote, if you want to be gay and Mormon, okay. But you have to be Mormon, and you really can't be gay. Mm-hmm. Jenkins said the rollout of the November policy felt odd. It was initially leaked online and contained grammatical errors. The church eventually confirmed the policy in an official statement. But even then, Jenkins said he hoped it wasn't permanent. Quote, a lot of people thought, it's, cl- it's kind of clear that they didn't think this through, that they kind of messed it up. You know, people make mistakes, he said. Flash forward to June of this year when the LDS Church included in the November policy, or I'm sorry, when the LDS Church included the November policy in its most recent version of Preach My Gospel. This is a guide distributed to every Mormon missionary, nearly 70,000 worldwide. Damn. Jenkins, who served a mission to Madagascar, describes Preach My Gospel as, quote, everything a missionary needs to know to teach someone and baptize them into the LDS Church. The LDS Church did not return a request for comment on the latest edition. For Jenkins, it looks like the church is now cementing the November policy in place, which is frustrating to him. 
On one hand, he sees the LDS Church taking steps toward LGBT inclusivity in some of its messaging, but when it comes to the policy, what's on the books, he said it can feel like there isn't really a place for him. And there's not. Why? Why? Well, first, I don't understand how anybody who is a member of the LGBTQ community can be a Christian of any stripe. Right. But, you know, talking about Mormonism in particular, they've made it very clear that they do not want you. Right. They do not want you to be a member. If you're if you're even a child of a gay parent, they don't want you. Yeah. Because you're tainted now. Mm-hmm. You, what what you know about how loving and wonderful your parents are can be hugely damaging to the narrative they're trying to spin about how awful and evil and wicked and sinful gay people are for engaging in those sinful sexual acts of touching each other's naughty bits together when they're not supposed to be touching <laughs> their naughty bits together because they're the same parts. And you would have think that the Mormon church would have learned from the 1970s mistakes you know, that were so embarrassing for them, all the changes they had to make after the civil rights and how mm-hmm. late, how long that took them and how embarrassing that was. Mm-hmm. And from then on, you know, not letting blacks in the priesthood until 78. And from then on, all of the presidents of the church having to answer those questions in the press and getting frustrated and annoyed and they're doing it again. Yep. And, and all of these people were, most of these guys who were in the presidency were alive during that time and probably involved in the church. Russell Nelson is 93. Yeah, I wonder if they would have if if they were in control at the time if they would have said no 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 we can't we can't change this policy this you know, we can't we can't let blacks have the priesthood now. I mean, we're more than a decade fucking late. The Civil Rights Act was passed more than a decade ago and we're still saying the blacks mm-hmm. can't hold the priesthood. It would be really fucking silly of us to change that policy now. I wonder if they would have tried to keep that the same. They would have doubled down on that and said, well, you know, God's weird about these things. We, we, we love black people and we think that you can be in full fellowship with us, but you can't, you know, hold the priesthood, which sucks for you, but you can still come to church with us. You can, you can see what great people we are. And, you know, if you keep coming, then, you know, if your faith is strong enough, you too will become white and delightsome, and then it won't be an issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you'll be able to be baptized into our church because you're no longer black. Yeah, it's just interesting. I, I don't – because the current president, Russell Nelson, would have been the age you are now in, mm-hmm. in 1978. So he would have definitely been involved in the church. Yeah. He would, he would have been probably – maybe not in the Quorum of the Twelve yet, but probably pretty close – yeah. So, I mean, he would have been all involved in what, you know, at least up to date on all the policy changes and everything going on with the racial stuff. And what, and what a frustration and embarrassment that's been ever since. Cause since then, he's been involved in the higher up presidency part of the church. I don't, I don't get it. Now, you know, and he's, so he's been there and he's doing it again. I wonder if they can look at things like the, like the policy that they changed in 1978, allowing blacks to hold the priesthood. And say, if not publicly, at least to themselves or other members in the in the leadership, that, well, you know, we waited more than a decade after civil rights was a thing in order to let black people hold the priesthood. So, eh, let's just keep the gays out for a bit longer. Oh, like, yeah. we have That's we have precedent. Yeah, yeah, we we've set a precedent now, and we know that our members really just won't care because it doesn't affect most of them. 
you know, it, and even those who it does affect will still be members. We have, mm-hmm. we have today members of our church who are black, who, yeah. who were members of our church even before they could hold the priesthood. Yeah. And they remained loyal, faithful yeah. members of our yeah. church. So why should we even bother to change the policy? We don't want gay people around. So we can create a, po- we can create a policy specifically excluding them and their children while creating a website, you know, oh, what should we call it? Let's call it Mormons and Gay, uh, where we can, you know, put out some fuzzy language about how, Everybody is unique and special and we're all God's perfect little creations that, that he made us in his image. And we all need to strive toward being as perfect as God, but we all know we're going to fail and we're all given these different trials and tribulations that we've got to work through with, with, you know, throughout our lives. But if you just believe hard enough and for long enough, eventually it will happen for you that, you know, you'll be perfected. And when Jesus Christ returns and everybody is, is resurrected and, and, uh, what is the term they use? Fucking, uh, when, when Christ basically resurrects everybody, um, when you're restored, I think transfiguration, that, maybe it's, rest- I can't, I can't think of the term right now, but, but basically when, when Christ comes back and everybody is brought back from the dead and you're restored to your perfect form, whatever that means, uh, that then it won't matter because you won't be gay anymore because being mm. gay is an aberration. Well, maybe not being gay, but at least participating in in homosexual acts that's the real sin i wonder if the time frame thing but it won't matter because you're still going to be a member anyway i mean look at these black people over here they're still shucking and jiving oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i wonder if that i wonder if that's uh, like a strategic move like that they provide themselves a time buffer so that it doesn't seem so obvious that they're influenced by social and political pressures that they can give themselves a buffer and then go, Oh no, actually. Yeah. God told us we're going to change this. Yeah. No, this, this wasn't at all a, you know, an, an, a public outcry from our members. It's, they don't, they don't really matter. I mean, they matter. They, you know, they, they still need to give us funds to continue building God's house, but ultimately it wasn't their you know, it wasn't through any pressure brought by them that this de- that this decision was made. This was purely God, and sometimes, you know, he just waits longer than everybody else. God is always behind history. You know, he's, he always lags behind any progressive moves in improving the condition for other human beings, and it's because he's old school. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if it was just Jesus, things would be better, but he's got to talk to his dad, and you know how dads are. They're not always the quickest to adopt new new ways of thinking. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that could be it. That they just want to, they don't want to have to admit that it's not God making these fucking decisions. Yeah, it's it's internal pressure from your own membership. Yeah, who, they don't want to they don't want to look like politics can influence them. You yeah, know, and social pressure can influence them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that'll do it for us for the regular portion of the show. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be, and you start the list this time. Vanessa. Michelle Short. Christy Kalbach. New Mania. Alan Firth. Larry Wilson. Two Skeppy Chappies. Let Them Eat Coffee. Stephen Andrews. The Foz. Janet Uter. Jeff Peterson. Maria Scott Puchakowski. Utah Outcasts. Megan Kennedy. Andrew Vodopich. Randy Hamrick. Jeremy Goodson. Angelica Pearson. Wes Aaron. Taylor Grin. Savita Kuna. And the Purple Dragon. Thank you. Thank you. Many thanks. If you 
dear listener, would like to be a supporter of the show, we would greatly appreciate that. But you don't have to be a supporter monetarily. In fact, if it would cause you any undue stress, then don't become a, a, a Patreon supporter. Right. I don't, I don't want you to give us any money if it's going to make anything in your life more difficult or more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are, who are Patreon, uh, patrons for the show, thank you very much. I hope that whatever support you're offering us does not cause you any undue stress. Or any stress at all. I hope you're giving it to us freely and it's, you know, what you, uh, can, can spare or, or, you know, you're, you're totally fine with giving us whatever, uh, money that you can. Uh, but if you would like to give us gifts of money, that would be awesome as well. It helps <laughs> us pay for hosting and all kinds of other stuff that then we're not just putting out our own money to provide you some entertainment value or some information or just something that you might like to listen to every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution where you can contribute as little as $1 per episode. And then you also get some fun things like extra episodes and bonuses and show releases early and longer and extended uh, versions of the show. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you will do that. And if not, or if you cannot do so, hopefully you can do things like a bunch of our other listeners do where you participate in the uh, Godless Revolution Facebook community or send us stories or you share the show or you talk to your friends about it uh, or you go out and rate the show. That would be awesome also because then the the more ratings we get and the higher ratings, then that lets other people, you know, it, it bumps it up in the queue for interesting shows or related shows or shows that other people may be interested in mm-hmm. and makes the show easier for those people to find. So however you can support the show, we would greatly appreciate that and do appreciate those of you who are doing so. And if you aren't supporting the show in any of those ways, you just like to listen. Well then I hope you had a good time because I like doing it. So there's that. Yeah. And so until next week, can we crucify Jesus again? Sure. And his death, like all three, can we get, how do you crucify the a Trinity? ghost though? Yeah. Well, no, but he, he's, he's resurrected, I think, isn't he? Who? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Are you talking about the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And he's already full of holes. Mm, yeah. We'll have to figure that one out. Maybe we can get some Ghostbusters wrangling on it. Mm. Hit him with, hit him with the plasma beam or whatever the fuck that was. So, yeah. Called the Holy Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, yeah. Crucify Jesus. Uh, leave a review to achieve nirvana. And rate, rate the, the show. show five times a day toward Mecca. Yes. A good guy's a dead one. A good guy's the one that brings the fire. A good guy's a dead one. A good guy's the one that brings the fire. Good love's a dark one. A good love's the one that brings the fire. A good love's a dark one. A good love's the one that brings the fire. The bed will run red with the blood of the saints and the blood.
So we have one cupboard that is like right by the back door that we, it's kind of out of the way. And so we don't really use it for anything. Sometimes we'll put like bags of chips in there or something or whatever, hmm. but we don't use it very often. And the other day, Danielle went in there and opened it and then immediately shut it and was like squealing. Big <laughs> spider in there? Yeah. There was a, <laughs> a, a, it made a web over like a one part of the, like the bottom corner. Uh-huh. It just had a web and it was just sitting in the middle of that. Ha, 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 ha.